Well, good morning, everyone. Lily, it's great to see you this morning. It's really awesome to see you. Remember last time you were here? You were like, that. <laughs> you're still lovely and sweet. I know that from Pat. She tells me all the time. So welcome. Welcome this morning. Hey, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms in chapter 34 this morning. It's on. It is. Yeah. I have a green light. I have a green light. Okay. There you go. Hey, I did it right. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I still think you're incredible. I remember to turn it on. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Psalm chapter 34 is where we're going to start in a moment. We have some great words of encouragement this morning. Uh, pretty exciting. And so... A couple of announcements. Number one, our family fellowship dinner is coming up next Sunday night. It's going to be at the Kirkpatrick's Place. Starts at 530. Uh, the last Sunday evening, we won't be here. We won't be anybody's house. We'll be down in Cottage Grove at the 6th and Gibbs Church of Christ for the 5th Sunday rally. So if you like to get uh, your singing on, then you want to come down. It will be at start at 630 in the evening. And don't forget, how many of you are already planning for your summer summer events? How many of you are doing that already? How many of you were doing that in January? Did you know that I had those posters up back there, gentlemen? Because I know we all plan way in advance like our wives. Anyway, so I'm glad some guys got that. Some are growling at me. Man, chill. Anyway, so August 3rd, 4th, and 5th up in the mountains. We're going to have a great time. And... Uh, we had some great pictures. I'm just excited to, I'm going to try and get a little kayak or, or canoe or boat because uh, I guess there's some monster lake trout to be slayed up in Summit Lake. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of that besides preaching. Don't forget, we're going for the preaching. So anyway, so also too, uh, please pray for me once again. There is a gentleman down in New Mexico that I've been Bible studying with for the last six months. And this last week he said, all right. I want to be baptized, and so I'm jumping a plane on Wednesday. I'm going to go down, we're going to, uh, jump a plane on Wednesday, immerse them on Thursday, and jump a plane back on Friday. Pray that we'll be able to find a good congregation down there for him. So anyway, it's kind of exciting. Retired police officer. He said he lived on the dark side too long. He wants to become a Christian, and uh, I'm excited. It's just He's just a great guy. So pray for Matt Betson. Really good man, soon to be a brother in Christ. All right, here we go. Thank you, Braxton, you big helper. It's awesome. Mr. Kirkpatrick, thank you for reminding us of Jesus' sacrifice. Who did that? Who wrote that? How old are you, young man? Eight. Let me read this again. An eight-year-old said this. Mr. Kirkpatrick, thank you for reminding us of Christ's sacrifice. Wow. Can we give it up for Max? Woo, man, eight years old. That's fantastic. Good job, Max. Jacob, your message was awesome. Where are you? Back there. Let's get it for Jake. His message was, his message was awesome. He did a prayer meditation last Sunday evening, and it's like, I never read those verses before. It was like, wow, it was great. So thank you for this morning. Mr. D, your message was awesome. Ty, 
<laughs> Let's give it up for Mr. D. I didn't like the fact that you were telling me that uh, my body armor doesn't matter, but in the spiritual realm it does, right? Absolutely, okay. Mr. D, I like your speaking God's word. There you go, you got a fan club, Mr. D. There you go. Jacob, both of your Bible class messages so far have been so thought-provoking and inspiring. The research and study you put into edifying us and calling us to be responsible in every aspect is much appreciated and looking forward to the next three. And I have to add something to that. In everything that so far that he's preached, he's come up with. Sometimes I coach my uh, boys, but this time it's all on him. So if you've been listening online or you've been here, uh, man, I'm telling you what, son, I'm very proud of you and, and your, like I said, your research and study for the sermons. Let's give it up for Jake again. Brad and Melinda, it's such a treat to be surprised by your beautiful, sunshiny smiles today. Can we give it up for those sunshiny smiles? <laughs> yeah, right there. Brad, can I tell, tell on you? Okay. Uh, we, have, we have studies every Thursday night, and uh, usually it's, it's, it's a two-dimensional FaceTime. And I, I feel bad for our brother, Brad, because sometimes he gets to work at five in the morning and he gets home at five or 5.30 at night. And so he's online and I can tell this is the night I'm going to have to be very peppy. And so uh, I am so thankful for you being here and I do appreciate your faithful in the Bible studies. It's awesome. So let's give it up for them once again. Woo <laughs> All right. This is an awesome one. Carly Warren. I call her Carly girl. Okay, I know some do. Uh, thank you for being so great with others' children, specifically in your kindness and watching out for them. I know you'll make a great mother one day. I hope God blesses them with your smile and laughter, which will undoubtedly increase the amount of joy and beauty on this earth. Now, I got to tell you another story real quick. I flew with Carly Girl to Belarus with a couple other young people. And there's an older gentleman on the plane and his family didn't want to deal with him. It was really kind of, it made me mad. And they were kind of, you could tell they're frustrated and getting him up out of the seat to go. And they were struggling. And guess who jumped up to help? Carly jumped up to help. And I, I went and got in the way, basically. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that young lady has a heart for people. And I just think the world of you. So let's give it up for Carly. All right, Liberty, thank you for being... Let me try again, because I laughed when I read the last part. Liberty, thank you for being so supportive and encouraging with all uh, my goals. You are the best wife ever. Let's give it up for Liberty. How about her amazing husband, too? <laughs> all right, Pat. It is truly a joy to see you in person and know you are being faithful. You are such a blessing. And it's got the heart on there too. So it's extra special. Let's give it up for our own Pat West. 
Finally, Jacob, I think you're the rock star of the morning. Jacob, thank you for using your gift of teaching to communicate a powerful and well-thought-out message. I appreciate your example of spiritual growth and walking in Christ's footsteps. Once again, Jake, great job. Can you imagine going to work and having the, the boss or the manager get up and go, okay, everybody gather around. We're going to read words of encouragement. And, and they were calling you out. Would that be cool? How many of you would be awesome to work at a place like that? You don't think so? Like you're saying, it never happened. <laughs> well, we're changing things up around here. So really appreciate the family here. Very, very special, very supportive and encouraging. So, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you that this Bible verse we're going to read, Psalms 34 and verse 4, should have been the very first verse we read to start this New Year's theme on uh, the sixth law of momentum, the power of fear. I should have read this one first. And, uh, you know, I keep working through and I go, oh, how did I miss that one? Well, here we go. We're starting a new new reset series. Remember last week's was a transition sermon. We're going back and we're beginning by looking at the, the fear of death. The fear of death. And so the power of the fear of death immobilizes people. It really does. And uh, you don't have to be in a military conflict to be immobilized by the fear of death. All you need is a traumatic experience in your life, whether it be near death or a loved one pass away, and then the fear of death really can creep in. And so it's important for us to understand that we can overcome and conquer the fear of death through Jesus Christ. But look at this psalm, Psalm chapter 34 and verse 4. Psalm 34 and verse 4. And there's a simple, pure, powerful statement here. King David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, we are thankful that if we will seek you and we will listen to you, that you, Father, will truly alleviate all of our fears. Father, we know that your son Jesus Christ experienced great fear. So many times, even like Psalms 34, which is a prophetic utterance about your son Jesus Christ, not only King David, that there was fear, fear of what was to come. The greatest fear, of course, was being separated from you. The father that he knew from eternity past to be separated from you because of our sins. Father, it's amazing to know that you're willing to send your son. It's amazing to understand that your son Jesus Christ came and that he was raised up so that we too might conquer that fear of death. I ask that you would help us to see beginning this morning uh, why that is even possible. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was 2005, and I was on my way to Ghana, West Africa. But a friend of mine named Jerry Hoffman said, before you go to Ghana, West Africa, you need to stop in in Portland, Oregon. Now, this was before Portland has been burned down. This was in 2005, so it's kind of a nice city. 
And so he goes, I want you to go to a, a management training session with me. Now, he's one of the top CEOs for the Safeway Corporation. And so I said, okay. He says, I'll pay for it. And I said, okay. It was great. It was great. And the seminar was based upon the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. How many have ever read that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? If you have not read that, let me encourage you to do that. One of my dear friends uh, once said, Jesus through the Bible saved my soul, but Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People saved my life. I went, okay, whatever, Mark. You know what? That book is powerful. That book changed my life. Yes, I was a Christian, but man, I was an unorganized Christian. I'm supposed to, as all of us, are to take the gospel worldwide. And you know, when I can't find my keys or my Bible or my sermon, uh, it makes it a little difficult. You know what I'm saying? And so seven habits of highly effective people really helped me get it done. In fact, I was so ineffective, I didn't even have a day planner. And it was just back in the day when we had Palm Pilots, not one of these magic boxes, but a Palm Pilot. How many remember Palm Pilots? It's like, yeah, there we go. They came and they went. And I couldn't figure out the Palm Pilot was, palm pilot was too complicated. And this thing, forget it. So I still have paper and pencil. But you know what I have found? That one chapter in there actually is an illustration of God's great wisdom. That chapter is chapter two. Begin with the end in mind. Chapter two, begin with the end in mind. Now, didn't God do that? Remember on the first day of creation, the Bible clearly teaches, if you take a little time to study it, he created the plan of salvation, which included the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, seated back up in glory. And because he died bearing our sins, because he was buried and removed those sins from us, and because he was raised, he's able to give us life eternal. And so God created that great plan on day one. God st started with beginning with the end in mind. You know, he didn't even create one little Adam until he created the plan of salvation. If you don't believe that, sit down with me. Get your Bible, and we're going to be turning lots of scripture that proves that day one, God created the great gospel of glory, the plan of salvation. Well, what does that have to do with today? Today is joyful resurrection day. Some say Easter, I choose resurrection, right? Because we're talking about Christ raised from the dead, never to die again, seated at the right hand of God. Well, you know why that chapter changed my life? Because it asked me, or anyone who reads it, it asked me to think about what you would hope, and get a load of this, some of you are going to read it just to see if I'm telling the truth what you would hope people would say about you at your memorial service. Now that's kind of, I'm not going to read that book. That's pretty morbid. But you know, think about it for just a minute. How do you want people to see you? It'd be better if they told you now that you're alive rather than after you're dead. But 
How many would, how many of you want people to think, man, that guy was a man of integrity. That guy was so kind and loving. That guy was so giving. That guy was a jerk. He was an idiot. He was so off the rock. Which do you want? Did you know that if you're intentional, you can choose? You can choose what kind of man or woman you'll be? And you know what's really beautiful? If you choose Christ Jesus, he then gives you the, the owner's manual. You know, like genuine GM parts, okay? Genuine God's word, okay? Genuine GM. He's the owner's manual. But not only do you get the owner's manual, but he decides, hey, I'm going to come into your body and tool you up. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'd love to have a personal mechanic on call. Well, Eric doesn't need one, but wouldn't it be great if a guy like me had a personal, you know, I break him and I need someone to fix him. But wouldn't it be great if Christ was inside? He is inside and he tools us up and it's because of the resurrection. You know, I really had a problem with my priorities and I know this is a long introduction and we will get to the, the great Easter, uh, excuse me, the great resurrection story. But this is what I created for my looking at the end, beginning with the end in mind. I am a man is the title of it. I have it in my day planner. Every day I look at it. I am my Lord's servant, number one. I am Sharon's best friend, number two. I am my son's hero, I hope. I am a man of compassion, conviction, commitment, confidence. I'm a man of integrity, a man of vision, a man of my word, a man of action. I'm a man of zeal. I'm a man of passion, optimism, and enthusiasm. I'm a man who's changing the world as I am changing my character to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's my mission statement. That's my life statement. And I think some of you have probably seen some of that in me. I hope you've seen a lot of that in me. But you know what? God has tarried and he's helped me to grow into that picture. But only Christ could create that kind of man or woman. See, if you would have known the man that I was before I became a Christian, you would not want me to be up here speaking to you about anything. But by the grace of God and by the work he's done in me and my commitment, like, like my son uh, Jacob said, being responsible, testing myself according to the scriptural standard, things have changed. But it's because of Christ's resurrection. It's because of his sacrifice. And it's for each of us, that power is available to us. So this morning, I want to read just one little passage about Jesus raised from the dead. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. Man, there's a lot of passages in here uh, I looked at and I go, oh, that would be a good one. No, no, that would be a good one. And you know what? I, had so, I said, let's just do one. Otherwise, we'll be here all morning. Take a look at this. Matthew chapter uh, 27, uh, excuse me, verse 28. How did I do that? Matt, better read my notes. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. Now after the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first of the day, uh, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other uh, Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. 
The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was laying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you shall see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Well, you know, if you really think about it, I mean, let's get, a, let's get real here. I've never seen a dead man raised up from the dead. I never have. Have you? Somebody who's certifiably dead. You know what I mean by certifiably? Somebody passes away, you know, and the, the ambulance comes or the, the, the uh, memorial mortuary or whatever comes, and they have to certify the death. And then, and then supposedly there's these people that say, yeah, I have the power to raise the dead. But you know what's really interesting? If they're certifiably dead, they're not going to be allowed out to be used as some circus show. When someone's dead, they're dead. How many have heard this statement by Benjamin Franklin? The only two sure things in life is death and taxes. Well, I have to tell you, I know a lot of people who don't pay any taxes. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've heard of a lot of people that don't pay any taxes, either because they choose not to or because they have really slick lawyers to hide all that money. So maybe taxes aren't so. Did you know in Christ Jesus you can cheat death? That's what we're learning this morning. But some people say, I don't believe that a dead man can be raised again. There's no way. I've never seen it. This is kind of a fairy tale story. I don't believe it. Look at it in your notes. If you look at your note sheets, I encourage you to grab one or all three of those books. Evidence that demands a verdict by Josh McDowell. The Resurrection Factor by Josh McDowell. Who Moved the Stone by Morrison. I can't remember his first name. I have all three of those books and I have videos from other people who were skeptics and atheists and they worked hard to shut down the foolishness of the resurrection. And those videos, by the way, that I have at home, actually are people who went to disprove the resurrection and they ended up finding out that historical evidence is overwhelming to the fact that Jesus Christ lived, died on a Roman cross, buried in a tomb, sealed by the Roman government, and three days later, the stone was rolled away. Now, there's evidence that you can't even believe. Remember, this is not science. It's history. And to prove history, you need evidence. You need witnesses. If I shared with you that there was a, a Jewish historian named uh, Flavius Josephus, and he actually lived at the time of Jesus, and he said, it's rather interesting, is proclaimed that now he's talking about a guy that he knew lived. So it's confirmed because a Jewish historian that's honest, he never converted to Christianity. He remained a Jew. And he said there was a man named Jesus. 
And he proclaimed to be God in the flesh. Notice, he's not saying that he believed it, but he's saying this Jesus proclaimed he was God in the flesh. And then his followers proclaimed that he had been risen from the dead. And his followers, he says, are going to their death because they refuse to recant their confession that they saw him raised from the dead. That's a, that's a Jewish historian. Thank goodness he was honest. But you know what's even cooler? There's actual written documentation of Roman politicians speaking about these people called Christians and their, their, their uh, mysterious thought that their leader was once dead but now is alive. Now how can we torture these people when they're actually quite kind, hardworking, sincere, honest? There was one governor that actually wrote that letter to Trajan the Caesar. <laughs> and it everybody believes, both Jew and Gentile, and they believe that that's actually a letter that's confirmed secular people believe that guy lived and he wrote that letter. It all fits time frame, everything. There's also a Jewish or a, a Roman historian that talks about this Jesus, this ringleader who got himself killed. And now they're saying by superstition that he was raised from the dead. Huh? Well, there's more proof than that. That's just some of them. So I would encourage you to get those books. <clears throat> Because Jesus Christ came in this world. He proclaimed to be God in the flesh. And he was killed on a Roman cross perpetrated by the Jewish leadership. Now if he's raised from the dead, and I am absolutely convinced he is, and I'll go to my grave believing that, then that means that he came for a reason. Because if you read the Bible, five, at least five times he told his disciples, hey look, we're going to Jerusalem? And they're going to treat me horribly and they're going to beat me. And I got a date with the cross and I'm going to go to the cross. And then he told them why. So that I could fulfill the scripture and being the sin bearer of the world. You know what you need to do is take a look at Isaiah 53. It's all there. The death, burial, and resurrection. Psalm 22, it's all there. The death, burial, and resurrection. And many other places in the scriptures. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. But what does that mean to me? That's in the past. But what about the present? What about your life? What about right now? Look at point number two. I love point number two. Look at Ephesians chapter two. If you don't have a Bible, look on with someone. This is a huge, huge, amazing, awesome scripture in regards to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our actual participation in it. Let's read Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse one. Paul is talking to Christians and he says this, <clears throat> and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And among them, we too, us Christians, we also formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and, and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, 
made us alive together with Christ. By his grace you have been saved. And he raised us up and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible says here, he's talking to Christians who are alive. And he says, he has raised us up and he has seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what it says there in verse six. But you know, that's not the only place it says that. It says that hundreds of places, Old and New Testament, that the, that the people of God would be raised up to walk in the newness of life. There's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament about people becoming Christians, anointed ones of God. The word anointed means anointed by the Holy Spirit. And when someone is immersed, baptized into Christ, they are raised up with Christ. Look at Romans 6 really quickly with me. Romans chapter 6. I love this passage of scripture. It's well known. But it does say that we are raised up with him. There's several other passages that say the same thing. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't just for Jesus. He did that for us. He did that for us. How many of you remember that in more than one place, particularly the book of Colossians, that it says that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead? The firstborn from the dead. The first to come forth from the grave, never to die again. It says that. Go back to the book of Colossians twice. It says that. And so, what does it mean to be the firstborn? The first to be raised up. To walk in the newness of life. Well, here's what it says in Romans. What shall we say then, Christian? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Hey, if we've been crucified with Christ and we died with him, the sin's been taken away. Why are you still living in it, he says. Heaven forbid, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know? Have you forgotten that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. And notice in point number two, I ask you to read Colossians 2, verse 8 through 13. Can I quote one of those verses? I'll just quote one of those verses. It says in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which... Or in baptism, you are raised up with him. Raised up with him. Through your faith in the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You know, when someone's baptized, I know a lot of people get baptized, but do they really believe that God is powerfully raising them up to give them a new life? That's the problem, unfortunately, sadly, in so many sermons. They never really are telling the whole truth. Have you ever heard this before? In a church that you may have gone to in the past when the preacher says, you know, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. We're all just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. He's saying Christians are sinners. When you look at the Bible, we just read it in Ephesians 2. He says, we once were dead in our sins and trespasses, but now 
We've been made alive together with Christ. Did you know Christ raised up never to die again? Did you know when you become a Christian, you begin living eternal life? Now you're saying, well, I know a lot of people who are Christians who have died. They didn't cheat death. Well, in that sense, you're absolutely right. Now, when the Lord comes back, some of us are going to remain. And we're going to read that in just a moment. Turn to point number three in your, your lesson plan. We will be raised up on the last day. Well, there's going to be an actual physical resurrection of both those who have died in Christ and those who remain in Christ. I love these two passages. But how many have ever heard this before? I know some of you have. Don't raise your hand. Just you can nod or wink or smile or cough or whatever you want to do. But how many have ever heard this before? If you're born once, you're going to die twice. Have you heard that before? If you're born once, you're born physically, you're going to die twice. What does the word death mean, by the way? Do you know? Thanatos is the Greek word. Thanatos means, yes, separation. Separation. If you're only born physically, but not born again of the water and the spirit, you'll die twice. What does that mean? You'll die physically like all physical human beings. You'll die physically. And what happens when you die physically? There's three, how many of you heard it? Well, we're just body, soul, and spirit. Where'd that come from? Bible. Bible. Oh, by the way, the Greeks believe that too. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, bio, soul, psyche, spirit, zoe. That's Greek. The Greeks believe that too. Isn't that interesting? So it's important for us to realize that physical death is where the body is separated and planted in the ground and the soul and the spirit will eternally exist. But where? That's the question. So the first death is a physical death. The second death is a spiritual separation. A spiritual separation from God. That's the death you don't want to die. A lot of people, I don't want to die physically. Actually, if you're a Christian and you're strong in the faith and you're absolutely convinced because you're obeying the word of God, guess what? You've heard me say this before, and I know it sounds kind of scary, but I honestly can't wait to die. I mean, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm not going to rush God's plan. I'm not going to go parachuting without a parachute, you know? I think going hunting sometimes is a little bit crazy, but, you know, I'm not falling off any cliffs yet. But the point is, is that born once, die twice. But you know what's cool? Born twice, die once. And if the Lord comes back, you're not even going to die once. Woohoo! Let's read 1 Corinthians 15. Man, I love this passage. Man, I got my name written all over this passage. In fact, some of you know, I've consistently said, man, I hope I'm alive when the Lord comes back. And you're going to see why. Take a look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 15. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, this puny perishable thing I'm wearing right now, inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We'll not all die, actually, he says there. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound... <clears throat> 
the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come the saying that is written. Are you ready to cheat death? Here it is. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Victory over death. Victory over that second death. Why? Because who paid for all your sins on the cross? Who? Well, Jesus did. You know what's really cool? Are you ready for this? The Bible says he bore our sins. The sins of every human being on the whole earth. He bore all our sins in his body on the cross. And he offers that <clears throat> through the gospel. We just need to receive it in faith. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. So that when he comes, if you're still alive, it says you'll be transformed into the same image of glory. I don't know about you, but even though I'm not sure what that really means, man, I think it's going to be awesome. And that's why I want to be here. It might be kind of tough going until we get there. But man, can you imagine when he comes? Man, people are going to be looking, getting under rocks. Got to get a find a cave to get out of here, man. He's coming after me. Yes, he is. But you know what? We're going to be doing something different. Man, he's coming after me. Come on. Bring it on. Maranatha, not the Lord come quickly. You're saying you're getting a little spastic. You know what? When the Lord shows up and you're in Christ, that ain't nothing what I just did. It's going to be absolutely out of this world. In fact, it says, I has not seen, ear has not heard all that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. So as best as we can see heaven might be, we don't have a clue. It's going to be infinitely better. All right. So here's the end of this thing. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your twin Lord is not in vain. Now I want to encourage you because our time has passed. I want to encourage you to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is speaking specifically to, specifically to Christians. He says, don't worry about those who have died in the faith. They're going to they're gonna go to heaven before you. And Lily, I, I'm really excited you're here. Actually, I really am. You are growing into a very lovely young lady. You know, I don't know if you called John your grandpa, but he's a good man. And he asked me the second time we met if I would baptize him. And so I said, well, sure, but we got to study. And he said, well, that's what I figured you'd say. And so we studied and I baptized him into Christ. And I know where he's at. That man, though, he could not travel around like me and preach everywhere. He got online and he was letting everybody know, got to listen to Preacher Bill. I mean, there's, there's somebody from Peru that, was one of his mining friends that was watching me. Wow, that's wild. Your grandpa was an evangelist in his, you know, armchair. 
I can't wait to see him again. He'll go first. If I'm down hunting on the ranch and the Lord comes back, I'm going to see John go, hey, see you in a little bit. That's how it's going to go. It's going to be great. See, that can be for all of us. I'm so thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It means life now, life abundant now. I have purpose. I have meaning. I have direction. I have hope that the world doesn't have. You know, we get up here and we read those wonderful things about each other. Man, that's encouraging. I love reading those. I love to see people, Whoa! you know, it's great. That's just a little tiny bit of heaven. See? We're starting to live that eternal life now. But I guarantee if, if you go back to the world, you're not going to have that kind of stuff go on. And people are going to be finding fault on you in every area. Sadly. So, brethren, I pray that you'll realize the resurrection of Jesus Christ oh so many years ago can be a huge blessing in your life now and then you have hope when he comes back that you'll be with him and loved ones forever. Let's pray. Father, the resurrection of your son Jesus Christ, the most powerful and awesome act both in this physical creation and in the spiritual realm. How is it that your son Jesus Christ could give himself to pay the full price for our sin and yet three days later be raised from the dead, never to die again, seated at the right hand, Father, being our high priest, our intermediary, our intercessor, always present to hear our prayers and to forgive us our sins, and to answer our prayers to empower us to live for him. Father, for the doubting Thomases, I pray that they would come to an understanding that Jesus truly was raised from the dead. And they too might bow the knee and confess him as their Lord and their King. Father, I pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Help us to be people living the life now, anticipating the life to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's all stand and get excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. Alright, thank you for being here today. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.